You may be seated. Blessed are you who are hungry, for you shall be filled. Howdy, saints. Now, I'm not sure how many of y'all are feeling like saints, um, but today is All Saints Day. And you may not be feeling like a saint, especially if you were a Gator fan or a Seminole fan. And then for those random few people that woke up at five in the morning yesterday to watch England lose astoundingly against South Africa, you were probably not feeling saintly or speaking saintly either. But all saints, Jesus said, blessed are those who are hungry for they shall be filled. And then we heard St. Paul tell us about the glorious inheritance of the saints. This morning, I want to speak to you about the glorious inheritance of the saints. About 19 years ago, the parish that I was working at in England decided to do a reordering project. And so, much as you would have seen while coming to this church, there's a little thermometer there telling you how much we've had in terms of our capital campaign and our pledging and so on and so forth. We raised uh, a couple million pounds to reorder the building because the building was 600 years old, and it needed some work. And the last time we did any work was 1838. And um, so you think that doing work after 40 years is, a, is costing you, what, one and a half million we're trying to raise was a big ask. We tried to, to do this capital campaign and do the reordering project, but before you could do that, you actually had to bring in an archaeological survey. So we were redoing the building, and we, we, we'd ripped up the ground, and we were putting underfloor heating. That, you wouldn't need to do that here in Florida, obviously. We have air conditioning, not underfloor heating, but we were doing that. The archaeologists came in, and as they did that, they, they did their, their, their pre-construction survey, and they discovered that buried in the center of our church, facing towards the east, were five Anglo-Saxon saints facing eastward. We thought the church was about 600 years old. At least that's what our historic records told us. But we discovered that it was 900-year-old uh, year physical space where saints had worshipped for nearly a thousand years. And these five Anglo-Saxon saints were buried facing eastward awaiting the resurrection, the glorious inheritance of the saints. Jesus says, blessed are the hungry, for they will be filled. Paul tells us, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That was verse 11 of Ephesians, if you remember that. But verse 18 tells us this, I pray that you would have the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you would be able to know the hope of the glorious inheritance. Paul tells us three things. He says, I want you to know what you already have. I want you to know what you can have. And I want you to know how you can have that. It's really basic. That's what he's saying here. I want you to know what you have. The whole book of Ephesians is built around that same structure of what you already have and what you can have, what you know you have, and what you know you can have, and what is on offer in the gospel. If you look 
Ephesians 1 verses 1 through 14 is one run-on sentence. That's what you have. Ephesians 1 verses 15 through 23 is everything that you can have. Ephesians 2, what you have and are in Christ. And then Ephesians 3, what you can have and can be in Christ. Ephesians 3, what you can have in Christ, what you have in Christ, and then what you can have. And Paul does it using two, mainly two verb tenses. He tells you with a verb that indicates a past event that is unrepeatable with present effect. And then he uses another verb to tell you what you can have and with continuing effect. Novembers are a month of celebration in the Tepper household. It's because it's my wife's birthday. It's also because it's my daughter's birthday. And we have this fun little tradition, my wife and I, with Sophia, that we'll, 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 get, them, we'll get her gifts, and we'll give her gifts, and then we always kind of have this one main big gift that we, we don't have out with all the other presents, and we'll bring that one out later. But why do we do that? It's because we're doing the same thing that, that, that Paul says. There's always more. And if you remember, we read in Luke the Beatitudes. In the Matthew version of those Beatitudes, right after that, Jesus goes on to say in the Sermon on the Mount, ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. In the, 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 the Lucan version of that, Luke says that if you who are bad fathers, evil fathers, know how to give good presents, if you, Pete, know how to give good gifts on Sophia's birthday, how much more will your Father give you the Holy Spirit when you ask for it? There's always more. There's always more, Sophia. And Jesus says, there's always more, Wes. There's always more, Reggie. There's always more. Here's what, you can, here's what you have in Christ Jesus, and here's how you can have more. We have obtained an inheritance. I love that. That's amazing, isn't it? We can know certain things, but then we can know certain things. When you look at Paul, every single one of Paul's letters has that kind of structure. Paul writes this big dissertation of the book of Romans. It's full of a lot of things to know, a lot of doctrine. And then he says, I'm writing all this stuff so that you would know, but I long to travel to Rome that you might receive an impartation. I'd like to impart more to you. In Ephesians, he says later on in chapter 3, as he's praying for the people in Ephesus, he says, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond we could ever ask or imagine, now to him be glory in the church forever. Paul prays unceasingly that we would know, really. And you see, I, I talk about what we, what we know, but what we can know. We all know certain things. And how can I illustrate this? Um, once I was going through the public's aisle, and I had my cart, and I had a bag of sugar, and there was a hole in it. And um, I was the dutiful husband going down different aisles shopping, and uh, I didn't realize that uh, the sugar bag was open on the bottom. And I was leaving a trail of sugar through aisle 12 and aisle 11, aisle 10, and aisle 9. Um, and everyone at Publix knew that Peter was making a mess. 
But only Peter knows I am making a mess. There's knowledge, and then there's knowledge. We call that sometimes in philosophy, noetic knowledge and uh, experiential knowledge, but we won't get into that. The point is, is that Paul is saying, okay, you know that you've been chosen, you've been saved, you've been predestined, you are loved, you're accepted, you're not rejected, you know that. But I want you to know what surpasses knowledge. Isn't that what he says to the Philippians? I want you to know the peace that passes all understanding. You see, Paul is playing off something that people from a Jewish background would have understood. Um, if anyone ever grew up in the Northeast, you might have used the phrase yada, yada, yada. And if you haven't, it's just a good Yiddish phrase that you should use every now and then. But yada, yada, yada just means you know, you know, you know. But in Genesis 3, you know what it says? It says that Adam yada, his wife, and then she bore a son. So he knew about her. He knew what she really liked. He, he knew what her favorite flowers were in the Garden of Eden. But that's not really what Yada is telling us. The book of Isaiah says, and your children shall know the Lord, and they shall be taught by the Lord. Paul is saying, I don't want you just to know that you're saved. I don't want you just to know that you're redeemed. I don't want you just to know that. I want you to know beyond knowing. That's what you can know. That's what I want you to know. I'd like to travel to you in Rome so that you might receive something. And you see, that's something that Whitfield gathered. He's another one of those saints that we don't always think about on All Saints Day. But if you think about it, if you're an Anglican and you're here in the south of the United States of America, there's a high likelihood that someone that he discipled about 200 years ago has discipled someone that discipled someone that discipled someone that then brought you here. That's just the way it worked with George Whitfield. But George Whitfield was a student at Pembroke College right across from the parish, parish where I served. And um, he was a second-year student of theology. And he knew about God. He, in fact, knew God. But he write, writes in his diary one day, he says, I resolve to conquer or die. And he was talking not about getting good grades and passing his Oxford exams. He was talking about resolving to know God, to really not just know about Him, but to know Him. And so he would wake up early in the morning, and for two hours he would walk around Christ Church Cathedral's meadows. And, and I used to do that when I was a, a, a parish chaplain. I would work with the, the undergrad students there at Austin University. We would, we would walk around Christ Church Meadows. And, and I, I would always sit there looking, and I wonder, which tree did he kneel down? Because in his diary he tells how he would sit underneath this one particular tree and ask to know more of God. The end of our life is to know and see God and enjoy Him fully forever. But you don't have to wait till you become part of the church triumphant. You don't have to wait till you become part of the church invisible. You can know God now here as the church militant, as the church visible, as the church particular. You can know Him now. That's what's on offer. And I don't just mean knowing. Oh, that's nice. I mean like a kind of knock your socks off kind of knowing. 
Whitfield walked around those meadows. He caught frostbite. He then had to lay in bed for two hours a day for two months. And he said, well, he had to lay in bed for two hours, two months, not two hours. But two hours of those 24 hours, he would sit and read his Greek New Testament. That's all he could do. And then he says that after those two months, he went for a walk again around Christchurch Meadow. And on that little oak tree, which is now a rather big oak tree, he said he encountered the nearness and dearness and the sweetness of Jesus Christ. I said, today is the day of mine espousal. He knew God, kind of like how Adam knew Eve. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to know him, not just know about him. And you see, that's what Paul's saying here in, verses, in verse 18. I want you to know the glorious inheritance that's for you. In verse 17, he says, I, I ask that God would give you the spirit of wisdom. And if you are looking through the, your pew Bibles, it would say a spirit. Other translations, the NET will say, I ask that God would give you spiritual wisdom. But I think that there's no article there in the Greek, so it's up for interpretation. But I think that what Paul's saying is, I ask that God would give you himself. You'd experience God himself. So there's what you know, there's what you can know. But lastly, how can you know that? And how? It's a desire. That's what Paul prays in verses 15 through 16. I do not cease to ask the Father and Lord of our Jesus Christ that he might give you. There's a desire on his part. And I love this. Paul is probably one of the most brilliant minds that wrote most of the New Testament. And yet he says, I just want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. I want to know what those Anglo-Saxon saints knew. And not just later in the future. I want it now. That's what Jesus proclaimed when he came in Mark 1, verses 14 through 15. He says, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is breaking in now. You can have the kingdom of God breaking in now into your heart. You can know that. And what do I mean by that, by know that now? The English pastor, Thomas Goodwin, puts it this way. He says... Picture a man walking along the road with his little boy, holding hands, father and son, son and father. The boy knows that the man is his father and that his father loves him. But all of a sudden, the man sweeps the boy up in his arms, embraces him, kisses him. Now the boy is no more a son when he is being embraced and kissed than he was before. The father's action has not changed the status of the son. But oh, the difference of the enjoyment of that status. See the difference between verse 11, you've obtained the inheritance, versus verse 18, I pray that you would know the glorious riches of your inheritance. God wants to kiss you. He wants to embrace you. He wants, to, he wants you to know him, and he wants to know you. But how can we know that? It says that we have 
the guarantee, the pledge, the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm no probate lawyer, um, but from what I understand about probate and testate will is that in order for you to inherit something, someone has to die. And so, what Paul is saying is that in order for you to experience the Holy Spirit, in order for you to have the love of God shed abroad in your heart, someone has to die in order for you to get this inheritance. How can you receive this? It's a gift. You don't have to do anything. It's the simplest sorry, thank you, and please. But this will help illustrate it to you. I have a friend, his name is Mark Davis, and um, Davies, obviously, you can tell by that surname that he's Welsh. And he was a sergeant major in, he is a sergeant major, well, was a sergeant major, he's now retired, in the Special Air Service, or the SAS. And he tells how in the 1980s he was going to do a mission um, with, with his squadron to Sierra Leone to rescue hostages. And they landed in a Chinook helicopter, they went to the compound, they rescued the hostages, they got all the hostages safely into the Chinook helicopter. The Chinook is one of those two, the only two-propeller military helicopter that we have. And as they were loading the hostages, one of the SAS operators was shot, and he died. And as, they, as Mark and his other operators, his other friends, loaded him into the, into the helicopter, the helicopter then took off because it's rear-loaded with a little ramp that comes down as they loaded it. The helicopter took off, and the rear comes up first, and then the helicopter flew forward. And as it's flying forward, the blood of Mark's friend was flowing down the helicopter, past the feet of those hostages who'd been rescued into the pilot's cockpit. And one of those hostages turned to Mark and said, now I know how much it cost to rescue me. That's the cost of our inheritance. It cost the rescue, the death of the darling and beloved of heaven. His death guarantees that you and I will be bathed not in blood, but bathed in blessing. I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would know, just as Paul said, that you would know the heights and the depths and the width and the breadth of how deep the Father's love is for you. And if you want to be, if you want to know more of that, if you want to be filled with that knowledge, all you need to do is what Jesus said in the Beatitudes. You got to be hungry. Father, we thank you that you have made us hungry. Not just for bread, not just for wine, but you've made us hungry for your very self. And Father, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would shed abroad your love in our hearts, that our status as sons and daughters would not change, but that you would break in by the power of your Holy Spirit, just like you did all those centuries ago when you ripped open those skies and you said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. So as we come to this, your table, Lord, and as some of us will then go for prayer ministry afterwards, Lord, would you fill us with more?
of your Holy Spirit and more of your presence. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.